Welcome to the Tell Us Something Podcast. I'm Mark Moss. Tell Us Something awakens imagination, empowers storytellers, and connects the Missoula community through the transformative power of personal storytelling. It is a celebration of each other, our stories, and how we move through the world together. All of the stories at Tell Us Something are true. Stories last for 10 minutes and are told from memory. Everyone is welcome to tell a story. The community comes together for a night of true personal stories shared live, focused on theme. Everyone has a story. What's yours? People often ask me how to sign up to tell a story at Tell Us Something. Go to tellussomething.org and click Tell a Story to see the themes for 2017. Click the link for the theme that resonates with you. A new page opens. Complete the form there. Then call 406-203-4683 to pitch your story. This episode of the Tell Something Podcast was recorded in front of a live audience on June 20th, 2017 at the Wilma in Missoula, Montana. Nine storytellers shared their story based on the theme on the road. This edition of the Tell Us Something podcast comes to us from Pat Abbey and is titled, You Can Do What You Can't Do. Thanks for listening. Yeah, several years ago I did a story here um, about a running club that I was a member of, the Wanker Running Club. And it was about an event that, that we ran into and it was pretty funny, but there's a prequel to that story and a couple of events that happened to me that led up to me becoming a wanker, and, or one of the wankers. Anyway, <clears throat> so it happened many years prior to that. I don't really remember everything that happened that night, but I do remember that there was quite a bit of drinking, and about one o'clock uh, in the morning, CA and I decided to go to uh, the local diner for breakfast. It was obligatory when you're drinking, you have to go have breakfast. And it was on the way back home where we decided that we were going to set a land speed record for two people on a Vespa 150 motor scooter. And we lived in the country, and it was on a country road where it opened up into a four-lane highway where it went underneath the interstate. So we were tucked down, and the goal was 50 miles an hour. And I'm not sure what happened, if he passed out or he fell asleep, but the next thing I remember is hitting a big bump losing my grip, falling backward in slow motion and bouncing along the road. And I ended up in a sitting position. Uh, CA was laying in the middle of the southbound lane um, and the bike was laying next to him. He was face down. And I said, CA, we got to get the fuck out of here. And I tried to get up off the ground and my legs stayed there. The sense of panic started to come down on me, kind of like it is right here tonight. And uh, I knew that I wasn't going anywhere, and he wasn't going anywhere, and there was no cars. Uh, There was a couple of cars that probably went by on my side, whether they saw us or not, I don't know. It was dark uh, night. But there's one thing that I've carried with me all my life, and on his side of the road, there was this yellow Volkswagen that came up, and, and at the last minute swerved to go around him and kept going. And at this point, I'm hysterical and probably in shock and everything like that. I don't know really what happened, but somebody did eventually stop and ambulances came, we went to the hospital, I was transferred to another hospital and I had seven hours of surgery and I spent 
10 days in the hospital and I had a cast from my asshole down to my toes in a awkward position. But unbeknownst to me, and my parents knew, but I didn't, the severity of the injury. And basically I had shredded all the meniscuses or whatever they're called, the ligaments off my left leg, my left knee. So fundamentally, the only thing that was holding it on was the skin and the artery on that. So they were concerned that I would never walk again. And they were also concerned that I'd have no lateral stability because they, you know, they took all that out. They cut the hamstring, they drilled a hole through the femur, they sutured it in, they put back what they could and set me on my way. I went to, back to school, college, and uh, therapy. And when it was all said and done, I could stand, I could walk, uh, but I could only bend my leg about 80 degrees, 75 or 80 degrees. And this is when the doctors, or I say now, this is my can't years, and the doctors inform me what I can't do. And I can't play football, can't play baseball, can't play any sports, tennis, skiing, uh, sailing, I was a sailor, I was a runner, can't do any of these things. There was, they kept saying, this is it, you, you know, just, you can walk, and that's about, that's as good as it gets. I also learned that I can't sit in the back seat of a car, I can't kneel in church, I can't walk up and down stairs, I had to lead with my right foot going up, my left foot going down, I walked with a slight limp, and most of all, I can't fall. So I learned to always look where I was putting my left foot before I did it. And it was it just, over the years, it became second nature because it was, it was something I just couldn't do. I couldn't fall on that. So I, I kind of felt sorry for myself for three, four, five years. And um, as Gonzo said, you know, it was drugs back then, so that kind of helped out a little bit. <laughs> and, and then I met my wife. And... She was an avid skier, and I really wanted to go skiing, but I can't. But about the same time, there was this hospital in New York that had, uh, Lenox Hill Hospital had invented a, a knee brace, a, a derotation knee brace for Joe Namath, the football player. And so I kind of liked the doctors, and we got together and uh, took a cast of my leg, had one made, and it was a pretty cool brace. It fit on your, your knee, over your knee, strapped on the top, strapped on the bottom, and basically you would break your leg top or bottom, but your knee would be fine. <laughs> and trust me, this was pretty cool. So I could go skiing, and off I went skiing. It was a little awkward because my, my leg from the knee down was kind of like this piece of wood, and it really the toes didn't work or anything like that. So anyway, I went skiing, I started sailing again, started playing baseball, um, I was allowed to get a hit, get on base, they'd put a pinch runner in, and then I could come back and play. We had special rules for me, because with the brace and running, it was kind of, I'd get two legs behind me, and it's really hard to run with two legs behind you. And the brace was kind of good. So this went on, but I was doing shit, so it was good. And uh, so then it was one time, I, there was a friend of mine, he was running a road race, and I watched him, I said, hey, I can do that, you know? I watch where I'm going, that's straight line. So off came the knee brace and I ran like a mile and I ran a race, ran another race. I got pretty comfortable with it and my legs started to work again. And I started getting better, I started getting faster. And then I decided to run a marathon. 
this, at this point, you do speed work on the track when you're, when you're training. So I ran into this group of guys that were running on the track at the same time. They were the wankers. They were a bunch of Brits, and uh, that's where I met them. And we all trained together. They were doing marathons. So I went on and I did New York, and I finished. And uh, my knee was kind of ugly looking because there was no muscles in it. And so they took me to the medic's tent, which was pretty cool. Um, you got hot chocolate and tea and soup, and they massaged you, and the, and the doctors looked at you, and then they sent you on your way. And so that was great. So the wankers and I ran together for about eight years. Uh, we all were pretty good runners. I got better. Uh, I never, I never, I was under 40 minutes for 10Ks for about six years, and I never, I was always under 20s for 5Ks. And I went on to do three more marathons before I finally retired. I, my best was like three hours and 11 minutes and seven seconds because you remember that kind of stuff. And, uh, and, that, and that's the story. So it was like, you know, you can and you can't. And, and pretty much that was the name of the game. But the one question I've always had, especially today, was, you know, back then they didn't have cell phones. And I always wondered, how the hell they called the police and the ambulances? You know, you're out in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, so I, I'm hoping that whoever was driving the yellow Volkswagen went to a phone and called the police or somebody like that. Anyway, thanks. Thanks, Pat. Pat Abbey has always wanted to perform on a stage where the band Yaysayer has performed. And thanks to Tell Us Something, he was able to do that at the Wilma. He has been a big fan of Tell Us Something for several years. Pat has previously shared a story at Tell Us Something, and this story was the follow-up to that one. Check the link in the description in order to hear the first story that Pat told. Tell Us Something is proud to be fiscally sponsored by Missoula Community Foundation, a 501c3 organization. Missoula Community Foundation has been providing leadership to Missoula nonprofits and inspiring long-term philanthropy in Missoula since 2007. For the good of Missoula, forever. MissoulaCommunityFoundation.org Thanks to all of our sponsors. Top Hat Lounge, bringing great music to Missoula for over 60 years. The Top Hat also offers a unique dining experience centered on local house-made ingredients. Dining made different. TopHatLounge.com The Wilma a locally owned and independently operated venue, the Wilma has anchored the Missoula cultural and entertainment scene for almost 100 years. Constructed in 1921 as a vaudeville house, the Wilma was utilized as a movie house for the majority of its history. In the 1980s, the Wilma began to once again host live entertainment. Now the Wilma is a state-of-the-art live music facility within a spectacular historic building and has become a destination for nationally touring musicians. The Wilma CabinetParts.com, the number one source for cabinet hardware since 1997. Anyone searching for the best kitchen cabinet hardware at a great price needs to go to CabinetParts.com. CabinetParts.com, in business since 1997, combines knowledgeable hardware specialists with the best online shopping experience nationwide. With fast and easy ordering, free hinge matching service, and same-day shipping, CabinetParts.com is the direct source for all of your cabinet hardware needs. The Bookstore at the University of Montana, a local bookstore serving the students, faculty, and staff of the University of Montana, as well as the Missoula community. MontanaBookstore.com. Fact and Fiction, where books, authors, ideas, and readers interact. Factandfictionbooks.com. 
the Good Food Store. Supporting Western Montana farmers and ranchers for almost 50 years, the Good Food Store supports the local folks creating their own beer, salsa, baked goods, ice cream, and more. The Good Food Store is a passionate supporter of Missoula nonprofits, supporting multiple organizations, events, and fundraisers every year. Learn more at goodfoodstore.com. Missoula Broadcasting Company. Missoula Broadcasting Company is locally owned and operates four radio stations. The Trail 103.3, Missoula's Quality Rock, and part of our unique Western Montana community, featuring local DJs who love Missoula and know their music. Jack FM 105.9, playing what they want. You 104.5 FM, your at-work listening station. And ESPN 102.9, focusing on city, state, and regional sports, giving exposure and insight to teams and athletes in and around Western Montana. Martin McCain Woodworks and Design. If you're looking for custom modern or mid-century cabinetry and furniture to fit your home, check out Martin's work on Instagram. He's at Martin underscore McCain underscore the woodworks over there and Martin McCain 79 on Pinterest. You can always friend up with him on Facebook because if he's doing work for you, it's pretty likely you'll become friends. Facebook.com slash Martin McCain Woodworks. Enlightened Lab Float Center. Enlightened Lab Float Center is a spa featuring sensory deprivation or floating as a well therapy. Unplug, reset, and recharge in their state-of-the-art float tanks. Learn more at EnlightenLab.com. That's E-N-L-Y-T-E-N-L-A-B.com. Gecko Designs. Gecko Designs is a great little design shop specializing in responsive results-driven web design and are a proud supporter of the arts, hosting First Fridays every month and making sure that the artists receive the full sale amount when they successfully sell a piece of art. GeckoDesigns.com. Thanks to Cash for Junkers who provided the music for the podcast. Find them at CashForJunkersMusic.com. If you're interested in sponsoring Telesummit, email me at mark at telesummit.org. That's M-A-R-C at telesummit.org. Podcast production by me, Mark Moss. Thank you to everyone who attends the events, those of you who download the podcasts, and most especially to the storytellers, Kim Maynard, Alex Sackerson, Steve Gonzalez, Alex Miller, Jason Weiner, Pat Abbey, Kathy Witkowski, Hilly McCann, and Spain Newman. For the most up-to-date information about Tell Us Something and upcoming events, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and subscribe to the podcast. Tell Us Something now also has a YouTube channel. Subscribe to the YouTube channel at youtube.com slash tellussomething.